Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored to have once again the continuation of our series, A Better Human Story, with Andrew Borchmuckler. Who is Andrew Borchmuckler? But a PhD, a prize winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk show radio host, summa cum laude graduate of Harvard University, PhD awarded with distinction in a program specifically created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the United States of America. Welcome aboard, El Senor Schmuckler. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing okay. Great. Well, you know, um, today we had a, a subject to cover, but it, it in order to be timely with something that could be existential to the future of men in the United States. We decided to cover a particular article you wrote uh, starring in the Daily Coast called How to Expose Republican Evil in the Debt Ceiling Extortion. And I'm so happy that you called it the Debt Ceiling Extortion. How are you doing today, sir? Please get us started. Well, I, I want to indicate that the reason I'm willing to postpone doing the, the other topic to do this one isn't just because this is timely, but what it's time, what it also is, it's a way of showing a basic dynamic in, in American power politics, in American culture, which is the reason we've gotten into these very dark times. Uh, I have been saying for, uh, I don't know, uh, 20 years almost, that conservative in America and liberal America have each contributed in their own way to a dynamic which has allowed a very destructive force to gain in power. That's, so that's the big picture. The debt ceiling, uh, I like as a topic because it's a way into showing what it is that's taken over conservative America, and it's very ugly. I mean, it's right there on the surface how ugly it is. And also the contribution of liberal America and the Democrats to allowing such an ugly thing to get such a lot of power over, over so much of America that our democracy has handed them power to be destructive in almost every way you can imagine. The debt ceiling being just one of them. And the first... no, let, let me stop you right there, because in your article, you state something very important, and I'm glad that we're going through this. You state that uh, one of the reasons you entered that race that I, in the introduction I mentioned in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia was because you thought the Democrats had failed to make the appropriate case against Republicans and why, in effect, the policies they support were the ones that we should be looking forward to. Yeah, I, I, I wrote a, an op-ed in 2009, still Obama's first year in office, an open letter to Obama saying, you know, we elected you to fight these battles, not to forfeit them. You know, so very early on, I thought he was going, I just loved the man. I was just so never so excited, you know, by a historical event. You know, that scene on election night in Grant Park in Chicago, Barack Obama, who had been thronged by 100,000 people in Berlin, 
who are so happy to have America back as uh, out of the hands of uh, of the people like Karl Rove and Dick Cheney and W. Uh, the whole world was excited and I was excited. And by the end of 2009, I could see that the, the Democrats had elected a wonderful man who didn't have a clue what he was up against or how to deal with it. So disappointing, so bewildering. I mean, it, 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 any 11-year-old boy on the playground would know not to deal with what the Republicans were sending his way in, in such an appeasing fashion. So the Democrats have had a problem, and I say you know, Obama epitomized it, but we can go back to the rise of Rush Limbaugh and Newt Gingrich. The Democrats have failed to see what they're up against and failed to confront it appropriately. So in 2011, the Republicans pulled this same extortion st stunt. And, and, and I was a, a candidate for, for Congress at that time. So I, I mean, I had taken that, as you said, I, I, I had done that because I decided I can't wait for the Democrats to say what I want to have said. So let me grab this platform. The guy had run unopposed in, in 2010. Grab this platform, and then I can say to the uh, to the, the the part of the world I'll have access to Virginia's sixth district, from Lynchburg to Roanoke, and up to sh just short of Winchester. I can talk to them about the ways that I wanted the Democrats to be doing. And so what I did. Wait, wait one minute, because here I, I want to give you some I want to give you some kudos right there, because you claim that you did that for your district six in Virginia. I remember well when you got up and gave that speech and that speech on Daily Coast and other places. It was like, where has or where have Democrats been? Ones who were willing to take the bull by both horns, which is what you did in that one speech, and you continue to do as you were campaigning throughout Virginia. Yeah, that, that, thank you for bringing that back in. You know, the, the whole the whole message really is. Uh, I mean, I've you and I have talked about my concept of evil, and I think I can make it stick. But now's not the time. But it is about evil. One of the remarkable things about today's Republican Party is. It is. It meets my definition of evil, a coherent force that consistently works to make the human world worse. The debt ceiling obviously makes the human world worse, even if the threat isn't carried out, and certainly if the threat is carried out. But you know, back in 2011, Obama and his crowd uh, gave rewards to Republicans in exchange for their extortion. So I. I used the what pulpit I had, not a bully pulpit, but a tiny pulpit, you know, one congressional district. I got up there and said, really what the Republicans are saying is they're holding a gun to America's head, the gun being the consequences if they if we default on it, you know, everybody agrees that the you know catastrophe. Holding a gun to America's head and saying, if you don't give me what I'm demanding, I'll blow America's head off. I mean, that really is essentially what they were saying and what they're saying today. And you got to put it in that language to get to the peak of the people to recognize, look at what you're dealing with here. You know, what would we think of a guy who held a gun to a kid's head 
and said something like that, I'll blow the kid's head off if you don't meet my demands. In addition to the evil, the palpable evil of being willing to inflict the degree of, of disruption and, and, and unemployment and suffering, not just in the United States, but they say in the whole world. It would be the whole world, yes. To do that, to be willing to do that, that's evil. But then to do that in order to get what you cannot legitimately achieve, it is not legitimate to coerce the other players on the on the stage into doing everything your way. If you believe in democracy, you get the right to do you get your way by persuading the people to give you the power to do it. That's the only legitimate way to do it. Extortion is not legitimate. So both in their means and in their goals, they have shown themselves to be evils. They are, they are battering away at, at, at democracy, which says you don't get the Democrats to give you what you want by threatening to hurt the nation. You got to work out a deal with them or you got to let them do what they can do, whatever. That's playing by the rules. And breaking the rules is setting us on a path that we have seen throughout history. I mean, if power isn't going to be given from the people, the people are going to be victimized by the power. So now, this, interesting. it's a matter of seeing evil and denouncing it. And, and the Democrats, at least, are not yielding this time. And that is a big step forward. I don't think that the Democrats are going to cave. Some people on daily costs do. I don't think so. I think that they are. I think that Biden's going to save the day at the end. But in the meanwhile, they should be helping the American people understand what it is. And you got to be able to denounce things in the proper tone and the proper terms so that people can see this evil that's right out there in front of us and that most people still don't really see. You know, I th I think they're going to try to hold firm, as as you said. But I I have a problem with them uh, playing playing around the game right now. I think it is uh, uh, on uh, as pro as uh, Robert Reich has printed several uh, several days ago. It is time for for uh, President Biden to simply say, uh, going forward, there will be no debt limit debate because of the Fourteenth Amendment. We are responsible for our debts. Period. Take it to the Supreme Court if you'd like. If the Supreme Court rules against you, again, uh, you know that it, that would be the quagmire that we're in. But I would dare the Supreme Court to do so. I, I I agree with you entirely about that. In fact, that was my position, and it's been my position still. Um, but the thing is, the the job, the political job uh, that needs to be done. In a sense, job number one, I think, is to get a substantial majority of the American people to see the Republican Party for what it is. I so, agree. So, so yeah, I, I actually have been predicting. I think that what the Dem, what, but I think that the that it is smart for Biden not to say, you know, this is what I'm going to do, or just to do it. You know, he he just made a move. By the way, he said, "No, I'm not yet there." Or I'm not there yet. He, he I saw the interview. Yeah, his interview. Yeah. So, so that's a step away from where he he used to be. So, I, I think it's smart to let the. I mean, 
they can know in their head that we're not going to go over the cliff. They know that. He's going to do it. That's what I believe. I don't have any inside information. But in the meanwhile, the, this whole drama should be allowed, should be uh, allowed to unfold in whatever way will best educate the American people. If Biden just steps forward and says, I'm going to unilaterally, you know, overturn this uh, debt ceiling law, you know, make some argument about the Constitution. How many people are going to be understand when the Republicans say, oh, this is a dictator or a tyrant. He's got no right to do this and all that kind of garbage we would hear and we will hear. You got to prepare the way for people to understand he's rescuing the country. He's not betraying it. This is what is required. And I was interested to see that in today's New York Times, Lawrence Tribe, who in 2011 argued right. against the 14th Amendment route, now he says he's changed his mind. That what's important here is not, you know, uh, whether how you interpret some words in the 14th Amendment. What's important here is saving the country. Absolutely so. I, there's no doubt about it. But here, here's the issue now with respect to Democrats, Biden, et cetera. I think there's such a poor job being done. I, I want you to uh, humor me for a few things here real quickly. Here in Texas, we're going through hell. Uh, we have, they're, they're trying to take over this, the largest county in uh, in Texas is Harris County. Yeah, it's I, I, read, I know county. about that. It, it's disgraceful. But what gets me more, more so than what the Republicans are doing is the lack of fight that I see in our legislature from our third, we are so big that we have three senators who cross boundaries, uh, Harris County, which means they should be over here mobilizing the citizenry in that particular district. We don't hear from them. They're moot. So I called up our, uh, several of our legislators. I called them and spoke to them personally. And one of the statements that I got is, over here in our legislature, it's like being on a plantation with those who have control and those who don't, to which I told the legislature, le legislator, so why aren't you activating the base? Why aren't you flying back to Houston and getting a posse together and let them know that even if they win the vote, the masses of people that are against it. So I I. I I take homage to what you had to say about jumping into that election in, I think it was 2011, I believe. 2011, I mean, 2012 was the actual election. The date, but I, I ran for two years. 2011, yeah. right. It, to, to kind of put some fire under the Democrats' uh, uh, belly, because as it stands right now, uh, not many of the politicians proper are, 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 are screaming. We have the activists like yourself and what we're doing here that are trying to raise the awareness of the American people. But I don't see that fire from the elected officials. Well, you know, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, the Democrats have been making progress in these directions. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to be feeding uh, ideas into uh, the, the Democratic uh, I have somebody who, who likes to get my ideas and he's, 
I, I won't say any name, but if I right. did, we don't would, say names here. We, we we respect their privacy. Yeah, people people would recognize it and say, yeah, that's a good a good voice. And uh, but you know, I, I used to send them a lot of stuff because the Democrats were falling so far short uh, of speaking of. But you know, when when you got a a, 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 a let's get together in a friendly way guy like Joe Biden standing up there and uh, and and warning the electorate before the 2022 election that the MAGA electorate, uh, the MAGA Republicans represent a threat to American democracy. That was, a, uh, everybody says it, it, it did have a positive effect. It awakened a certain amount. But, you know, that's a big move. I mean, I've been, I mean, he was, he, Obama, uh, Biden, they're they're people who who aren't big on perceiving evil and denouncing it. They're too damn civil. Yeah. yeah you know, like I think that by, you know, Obama came into office. He wanted to be a transformational president. You know, like we had FDR then and we have we're going to have Obama now. And, you know, he he never he didn't even come come close uh, mm -hmm. to that. And, and, and the reason is he had he didn't. He didn't understand that he had to defeat something that was continually treating him as an enemy. I mean, we know that that the Republicans, even before he took office, they were determined to make him look as bad as possible, to give him no successes. His way of dealing with that, you know, you got to be able to see, and liberal America as an expression of liberal culture. And liberal culture has certain things in its worldview, which interfere with seeing certain kinds of reality. And that one of those realities is evil. You talk to liberal audiences about, about evil or even just about morality, and you hear things which indicate they don't really think this is real stuff entirely. Uh, you know, I I completely agree with you now. I and I wonder sometimes what's the genesis of this, and when I get into my deeper thoughts, I wonder how much of it is that uh, there there the, the the and and I know you you don't particularly like this particular phraseology, but the ne the, the neoliberal sect of the party is some of the most uh, you know some of, it's likely the most damaging part because while they share uh, certain po policies with, let's say, progressives, that they, they would want better, better social services for our, our kin folks. They would, want, they would want to give a more humane treatment to the, to the underdogs, to those without. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll tell you. They just, won't be, they just won't confront that the, the, the capitalist nature portion of the party, and not only our party, but the Republican Party, there's, they don't have any use for that. So I think you know, you, you're proposing uh, this, that what matters is uh, where people are in the uh, progressive to liberal. Uh, I, let me suggest that the question that differentiates things is how much capacity for moral outrage do people have? So, so some people will look at something and they don't approve of it, but there's a difference between not approving or not agreeing or and and. And, you know, some things are just so downright 
unacceptable. And I, you know, it's not, it may correlate with progressives versus liberals. I mean, how, how ready are you to come? Professor, to our doctor, let, let me interrupt you for a second, because I, I, I don't want to, I, I want to give a concrete example and then ask you to kind of expand on, you know, make the point. During the, um, and, and this is important, during the healthcare debate, uh, we finally decided that, okay, we were going to accept a public option to the a care system because we understood the pain that the private sector would have inflicted, even with Obamacare for the prices of insurance, et cetera. So we wanted a backstop, which would have been the public, the public option that allowed Americans to see what, it, what insurance without a profit base looks like. And it was, I think, three or four Democrats who stopped that from occurring. Uh, and, and, and again, that, you know, we can't put any of the blame on that particular evil on Republicans because we know that that's their evil. We know that that's what they don't care about folks' health care. We know that because they prove it here in Texas and elsewhere. But Democrats had the option. Four of them decided to, or four or more, a few more, decided to can that option that gave people that kind of choice. That wasn't a democratic evil. I mean, a Republican evil. I consider that I, to have been a democratic evil at one end of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I, the, 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 the value of talking about evil in this context is that the Republican Party has become something extraordinary. I mean, we can look at politics at any time in any country, and you can see aspects of corruption, and you can see aspects of uh, greed, and you can, you know, and you can say, well, that's you know, maybe a manifestation of, uh, of evil. That'd be fine with me. But what's extraordinary about these times is that the Republican Party has become something which meets my criterion for evil, which is, which wasn't true even in Reagan's days. It was, certainly wasn't true in Eisenhower's days. It wasn't true of, you know, Al, uh, of Herbert Hoover. Uh, you know, it, 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 every, both parties have been, you know, had their dimensions of evil forever, forever. But what's extraordinary about today's Republican Party emerging, say, from the early, I'd say it was a normal party up through the first Bush presidency. And then uh, a force which you can see manifesting in, in uh, Rush Limbaugh and his 20 million ditto heads and in uh, Newt Gingrich and his sociopathic uh, use of Nazi propaganda techniques. You know, you can see something emerging until it eventually gets to Donald Trump, the completely unthinkable uh, completely broken man. This is an extraordinary thing. I, I follow politics in a bunch of countries, and, and you know, not like I'm a expert in comparative politics for the last 300 years, but I know stuff, and I don't know of any part political party except for the Nazi Party uh, in Germany that you could point to as being so so much a coherent force that consistently works to make the human world worse, which is my definition of evil. That's what's extraordinary about this moment. And the reason I, I wanted to talk about this is that we have a moment in which the Democrats can do what they failed to do, 
which is to make sure that the majority of the American people see the Republican Party for what it is and take power away from it. That you know, is the job uh, for the country. And that's I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Now, I watched all uh, Sunday mornings is a is a morning where my entire morning is taken up because I watch all the major news programs and the people oh. that they have on. Oh, wow. And there is not one Democrat who cohesively or coherently made that argument that you've made. Right now, the, the solution to the debt ceilings on the Republican side is to pass a law that freezes the uh, freezes us at the 2022 spending levels. I just want to I just want to point out what that meant. In my show at KPFT on Friday, I explained what freezing really means from a mathematical standpoint. Freezing really means a cut in people's social security, a cut because there are more going on. And I, these, I, are the, these are these are their the, the demands the blackmailers, uh, the hostage takers are taking. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, so and what I'm, yeah. And what I'm saying now, you, you may you come here and you make a case. I made a case on Friday where I numerically showed that reality that it's really pain that they're inflicting. But I heard not one Democrat on these major news channels express it in a manner that the average Americans, the bread and butter Americans, could actually see the evil as you've indicated, as, I, as we spoke about it before. Well, my recommendation, basically, is to get the American people to see this crisis in those terms I mentioned earlier, which I used in my campaign, and which I have now sent to my contact out there right. in, the, in, in the Congress, uh, uh, which is to say that the Republicans are snarling if you don't while they hold a gun to the nation's head, if you don't meet our demands, we'll blow America's head off. And basically to do whatever is necessary for people to see the ugliness of it. Now, I'm not saying not to say some of the important things like, well, this isn't about spending, which is, I mean, it's important that people understand. And it doesn't seem like people are very good at paying enough attention to understand. This is not about limiting uh, spending. It's about paying bills for money already spent. You know, so that's important. But the crucial thing is to get people in the gut to see the ugliness, the holding a gun to, to the country's head, to experience it in a way which registers. You don't have to use the word evil. But just the picture of a guy, you know, you say you love, they say they love America. Now, if a man was holding a gun to the a child's head, threatening to blow it off, do you think that you would think that he loved that child? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So they are the opposite of patriots. Show them for what they are in whatever way will make the greatest impact on helping Americans see this thing is ugly and destructive and needs to be swept out of power. You know, um, from your ears or from your mouth to America's ears. That's what I have to say. From your mouth to America's ears. I think it is time for us to um, really get the true narrative straight. Unfortunately, I think it's going to have to come from 
people like yourself and other activists out there because I have all I think I've lost almost all faith that the that Democrats have some form uh, of a narrative that have the will I shouldn't say some form that Democrats have the will to engage as you have engaged before as most of us activists know we need to engage so Dr. Schmuckler let me just ask you to give me a closer tell me what you want seen done and what you intend to do well as I have uh, studied uh, what's happened to liberal America during my lifetime that, that leads to the blindnesses that we've seen and, and the weaknesses and the, the absence of the intensity of moral and spiritual passion that we, we see. We have such decent people able to talk about these things in a way which uh, indicates a certain uh, understanding of what's right and what's wrong, but not the deep passion about it. It's it's like it doesn't register uh, at at the at the level that moves people. Um, I mean, I, my hero in terms of the confrontation with fascism is not a liberal politician. It's Winston Churchill. I. When I was running for Congress, I was uh, there are three leaders that I um, read like 10 biographies of each one. Lincoln and FDR were two of them. But in, in some ways, the one I remain most connected with is Winston Churchill. And I find thrilling, first of all, that he understood evil as it was rising in the world in front of everybody. But his political party just consigned him to the wilderness because they refused to see what Hitler represented. So he was the voice in the wilderness and that his courage at, at that. But then when he became the wartime leader and leading a British people that had failed in the 30s to confront this thing, to rise to heroic levels, to fight and defeat the fascism that almost overtook the whole British uh, Isles uh, back in, in 1940. But you look at Churchill's speeches and, and the ways he spoke, never have so many owed so much to so few, the heroic image of these people who had defended the island from the Nazi air attack. And uh, I, I have nothing to offer you but blood, sweat, toil, and tears, and his words about the evil that this represented and how we will fight them on the beaches. We, this was the kind of voice that I wanted to hear in America as we confronted essentially the same fascistic spirit in a domestic scene, not with, not with fighter planes and such but with, with words, with words that rouse the people like, like Churchill roused his people to be brave in the, in, the, in, in the face of a terrible, dark and dangerous threat with bombs falling on London by the, by the thousands. That's what we've needed. And that's what, that's what I hope that, uh, that we can hear from the Democrats in, in an appropriate form at this moment when the Republicans are showing the whole country what ugly things they are, using evil means to achieve evil goals that shouldn't, that is an evil to achieve by those coercive means. 
show how ugly it is so that the American people wake up as many as possible and so that the Republicans will never again in this form until they become a decent party again, never again control a House of Congress or the White House. Dr. Andy Schmuckler, thank you so kindly for this edition on the current state of the Republican Party. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.